Okay, so today we'll uh, start with our new book, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, which uh, is uh, from the Old Testament. So for the most part, we are focused uh, on the New Testament, uh, except the book of Daniel. Uh, so I believe this would be a profitable time for us as we look into the Old Testament, uh, looking at the book of Deuteronomy, uh, which is a good summary of what happened uh, in the promised land. And it also has good uh, applications for our life. Uh, so we'll go through it. So uh, we'll do the first three chapters together as they come together uh, in one slot. So we'll start with a basic uh, introduction <clears throat> to the book. And we can consider uh, why the first uh, generation was denied entry to the promised land. And we also see that Moses, uh, even though he was a leader, uh, he also was denied entry to the promised land. Then we will consider the as they are heading to promised land, they also have an encounter with the Edomites, Moabites, and the Ammonites. So we'll take a look at that. And just before they enter the promised land, there are two battles that they fight, and they are also victorious uh, in those battles. And towards the end, we see that uh, as Moses uh, dies uh, before entering the promised land, uh, we also see that Joshua, he emerges uh, as the new leader for Israel, and as we know, he's the one who actually takes the people of Israel uh, to the promised land. So uh, Deuteronomy is the last book of Moses. And in terms of timing, it's probably around 1400 BC. And it captures uh, the last days of Moses. So at this point, uh, Moses is around 120 years old. And we also see a lot of uh, cross-reference uh, as we are going through this book. Uh, many of the details uh, we also find uh, in the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers. So if you're just reading through the Bible, uh, Deuteronomy may seem uh, like a repetition, but obviously the Lord wants to reveal new things. Uh, he wants to reveal uh, fresh things. Uh, so it may not be a repetition if we read it with an open mind, uh, with the expectation that the Lord is going to speak to us. And we also see that Deuteronomy itself is quoted much uh, in the New Testament, uh, including when Jesus uh, was being tempted uh, by Satan right after his baptism and when he went into the wilderness. Uh, he used the book of uh, Deuteronomy or he used the verses uh, from the book of Deuteronomy to confront and be victorious uh, over Satan. So that tells us that maybe this book is uh, important uh, even for us. And even in our own life, we will face uh, situations uh, similar to what the Lord Jesus Christ himself faced. And it tells us that if we go back to this book, uh, we will get some uh, wisdom. And the meaning of the book Deuteronomy is the second law. Uh, so second law may not be very, uh, very easy or, or natural to understand, but it's more like I would say, uh, repetition of the laws uh, to the second generation. So it's not really a new set of laws. Uh, Moses is simply repeating uh, what he had told uh, to the earlier generation, uh, to the next uh, generation that is going to enter the promised land. And so it is not like a new set of laws, but I would call it more like a repetition of law. And the theme I would say for this book uh, would be the secret of success. And when we follow uh, the principles uh, that we find in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, we find that we can be successful. 
And even looking at the historical background uh, of the Israelites, uh, some were successful and some were not. Uh, so it tells us clearly uh, what we should do uh, in order to be successful uh, in our Christian journey. And I would say uh, these are some of the key verses that we would find uh, in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, uh, in chapter 4, verse uh, 1 and 2. Maybe someone can read uh, these three verses. Uh, yeah. We'll get to this later, but uh, I just wanted us to have this in focus when we are going through the book. Yeah, yeah. Maybe someone can read. Yeah. Now, therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you. For to do them, that ye may live, and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers uh, giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Fifth chapter, first and second verse. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. Chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Okay, so we'll get to these verses as we go through the Bible study, but uh, these are some of the key verses that remind us that uh, these have been given uh, to the people of Israel, and the expectation is that they won't uh, edit uh, what the Lord is telling them. They would... Uh, receive the commandment the way it is given, and they would uh, follow them. And by doing that, they will be able to possess the land. And again, in chapter 5, it reminds them that they need to uh, not only hear, but also learn them and keep them and do them, uh, which is where all of us have challenges. Uh, it's easy to hear, but it's harder to uh, do it. And the same way in 6, 4, and 5, it reminds us that there is one, only one God, and he is worthy of all of our worship. He is worthy of all of our allegiance with all of our heart, soul, and might. So when we look at the people uh, in Israelites uh, going from Egypt all the way to the promised land, and just to give you a quick uh, history, we know that the people were in bondage uh, in Egypt for about 40 years. Then we know that the Lord met uh, Moses uh, in the burning bush uh, after Moses was in the wilderness for about 40 years. And the Lord called Moses uh, to deliver the people of Israel. And that was the message uh, that he received uh, at the burning bush. And after that, we know that Moses uh, went to the palace. Uh, he started challenging uh, Pharaoh uh, to let my uh, people go. And we did. Uh, and we see that the Lord did uh, many miracles uh, to show that he is a powerful God. So we read about the 10 uh, plagues of Egypt. And at the end of it, uh, the Pharaoh uh, releases uh, the people of Israel so that they can go out and do their sacrifices. They had asked. Okay, and uh, during that time, we know that they had a miraculous uh, crossing of the Red Sea uh, on dry ground. And once they cross the Red Sea, uh, that is where uh, the story picks up, which is uh, their journey uh, to the promised land. And as we go through the verses, we would see that Moses and the first generation, uh, even though they crossed the Red Sea and they started their journey to the promised land, uh, they are not going to enter the promised land. 
and it is uh, Joshua who is going to take uh, take the lead from Moses, and he will take the people of Israel uh, to the promised land. So the spiritual uh, symbolism here, uh, we can think of Egypt uh, as the world, or we can think of Egypt uh, when we look at our own lives. Uh, we ourselves were sinners, and the Red Sea or coming out of Egypt uh, can be seen as going through that experience where we encounter the Lord in a personal way uh, through born again and baptism experience. And it is after that, that we start to live uh, in the promised land or we live our Christian life uh, as an overcomer. But from experience, uh, we know that uh, there are many detours uh, in our life, uh, just like the Israelites, uh, oftentimes uh, we go away from the Lord or our faith in the Lord becomes cold because of the many trials and temptations that we go through. But we don't lose our salvation, but we see that uh, we tend to drift away. And then we come back, we drift away, we come back and so on. But uh, the salvation experience uh, gives us everything that we need uh, to live a victorious life, uh, to live the life of an overcomer. And I was also thinking about it more uh, in terms of our own calling uh, or as a gospel outreach. So if you are living in Philadelphia, we can think of Philadelphia as the world or the place where we would find sinners. And it is uh, our duty as the Great Commission to preach the gospel and to bring people to that experience of being born again and to be baptized. And the scripture says, uh, once people are born again and baptized, uh, they are added uh, to the church. So it could be Bethany, it could be somewhere else. And that is where they start growing in the Lord. And that is where they start experiencing uh, the blessings uh, of the promised land. So the Lord has kept us as a church. Uh, the Lord has kept us as individuals uh, in this community. So that just like Moses was able to bring people out uh, from uh, Egypt uh, through the Red Sea experience, uh, we also can play a role uh, in bringing people from the darkness uh, to the light, uh, which is the promised land. So we'll, uh, since it's Bible study, we'll uh, go through all the verses. We'll at least read through all of them. Uh, some of them are pretty uh, straightforward, so we may not uh, need to meditate too much, uh, but we would still read through it. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel across the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arba opposite uh, soup between Paran and uh, Tophel and uh, Laban and uh, Hojoroth and uh, Dijab. It is uh, 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnia. Yeah, so this is just the introduction to the chapter and Moses uh, is going to start uh, really getting deep uh, from verse 5. So here we are told that there is, uh, is uh, the distance between Horeb uh, or Mount Sinai where the law was given to Kadesh Barnea is about 150 miles, uh, which should take uh, around 11 days or 11 day journey. So when they started from there, uh, we know that they crossed the Red Sea and started their journey into the wilderness. And at the Mount, uh, they were given the uh, given the Ten Commandments and the law, then they arrived uh, at the border of Promised Land, 
uh, which is when they sent the spies out to see, check out the promised land. So that is where uh, everything went wrong uh, for the people of Israel. They made it uh, till the border of promised land. And as we would see in subsequent verses, uh, this was the turning point for them uh, where things went south. So they were told to go back uh, by the Lord. Uh, they were told they will not be able to enter the promised land and they must go back the same way that they came uh, through the Red Sea. So that's what uh, caused the return trip uh, for the first uh, generation. Uh, they wandered uh, in the wilderness, uh, I would say about 38 years, because this would have taken them around two years. And if that is the case, uh, they all wandered for about 38 years. And during that time, uh, all the adults, uh, 20 and over, uh, died during that time. So that was a tragic uh, detour uh, that took place uh, for the people of Israel. Okay, and uh, I'll just read this in Moses' exhorts in verse three and four. And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according to all that the Lord had given him uh, in commandment unto them. Uh, after he had slain Sion, the king of Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Vashan, which dwelt at Astaroth in Edrai. So we'll come to this again, because Moses will repeat this again uh, in the subsequent verses. Uh, so we'll get to that. So essentially, Moses uh, is speaking to the next uh, generation. Uh, the entire first generation had died, uh, except the children. Uh, except those who were 20 and under. And of course, uh, Joshua and Caleb, they didn't die. And Moses wanted to make sure that the next generation uh, received uh, the same instructions. Uh, they received the same wisdom that was given to him by God so that they are able to succeed and they are able to prosper uh, in the promised land. So it's very important to have the word of God uh, if you want to succeed in life. And Moses was uh, had that burden to pass on that knowledge uh, to the next generation. And here it says, uh, he repeats all that the Lord had given him in commandment uh, unto them. So he's giving it as a commandment. Uh, he's not giving an option that you can obey or not obey, but everything that the Lord had told him, uh, he is going to reveal to the next uh, generation. Mm -hmm. So so that's where it starts, uh, from verse 5 till chapter 3, verse 28. Uh, Moses is going to go back. So it's like a flashback where he's going to talk about the experience and take us all the way uh, to the border of promised land. Yeah, maybe someone can read, uh, starting from verse 5. Across the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb, saying, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and set your journey, and go to the hill country, and the Amorites, of the Amorites, and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country, and in the lowland, and in the Negev, and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Ephrates. See, I have placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land. Okay, so here we see in verse 5, 
Moses is starting to declare the law to the next uh, generation. And from verse 6, we see that he is actually repeating what happened. So verse 6 gives us uh, like a historical account of what happened. So Moses is trying to convey uh, what happened to the previous uh, generation. So in verse 6, he says that they were in Mount Horeb uh, for quite some time. The Lord was telling them uh, it was time uh, to move on. So they were they got the law in Mount Sinai, but they were still circling that mountain for some time. And the Lord was telling them uh, it was time to move on. So the lesson that we learn is that in our Christian life, uh, also we must be uh, progressing uh, in our spiritual journey. Uh, once we reach a certain point uh, in our faith, uh, does not mean that we can relax or we can take it easy or we can say that we have accomplished all that we needed to accomplish. Uh, And oftentimes we get uh, lazy or we simply get comfortable where we are. But here the Lord is telling the people of Israel that it is time to continue with the journey. And that was Paul's concern as we read in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, uh, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither now are ye able. So when they were babes in Christ, uh, he was feeding them milk. But uh, when he comes to them after a while, uh, he sees that there is no growth uh, in their spiritual life. So even if he gives them meat, uh, they won't be able to tolerate so the people of Israel were in the same uh, condition. They were in Mount Sinai for some time, and the Lord was telling them uh, it is time to move on. And in verse 8, uh, it's, yeah, someone can read verse 8. Yeah. See, I have placed the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to them and their descendants after them. So here uh, we see that uh, very clear instructions are given. Uh, the Lord is simply telling them to go and uh, preserve the land. That is the reason for which uh, they were brought out of Egypt and through the promised land. And the Lord is telling them to leave uh, the mountain and start going uh, towards the land, uh, which has been promised uh, to them. And now the time has come uh, to go and possess it. And verses uh, 9 to 18 are a bit of a detour, but we see that uh, in these verses, uh, Moses uh, is raising an important question. Uh, He's saying, how can I myself uh, alone bear your cumbrance and your burden and your strife? So obviously Moses uh, is getting a little bit tired because uh, it is a huge uh, number of people that he's trying to trying to lead and trying to resolve conflicts and so on. So as one person uh, leading the group, uh, obviously is getting tired. And in verses nine through 18, uh, we read that Moses uh, sets up a system uh, which will make his job easier uh, by setting up uh, a governance system. Yes, someone can read nine through 18, yes. And I spoke to you at the time, saying, I'm not able to bear the burden of you alone. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are this day as the stars of heaven for multitude. 
May the Lord, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold more than you are and bless you just as he has promised you. How can you alone bear the load and burden of you and you ever strife? Choose why choose wise and discerning and experienced men from your tribes and i will appoint them as your heads and you answered me and said the thing which you have said to do is good so i took the heads of your tribes wise and experienced men and appointed them heads over your you leaders of thousands and of hundreds and of fifties and of tens and officers for all, for your tribes then i charged your judges at the time saying here the cases be, uh, between your fellow countrymen and judge righteously between a man and his fellow uh, countryman or the alien who is with you you shall not show partiality in judgment you shall hear the small and the great alike you shall not fear men for the judgment is god's and the case that is too hard for you you shall bring it to me and i will hear it and they commanded you at the time all the things that you should do so this like a summary so we see that uh, the job is getting tough uh, with the, where it says as it says in verse 10 uh, this day you are like the stars of heaven for a multitude so we know that there are many people uh, who were following moses so it was getting difficult for moses so he came up with a plan uh, to divide the congregation and create some leaders from within and uh if you go back to numbers you can read that about 70 people were appointed uh from within that group uh, as rulers or we can call as judges so he's making them captains over thousands hundreds fifties and tens and setting up officers among tribes so we see that moses uh is taking a practical step uh in the journey to promised land by creating the structure so that he can more easily uh lead them more easily tackle the challenges and at a practical in a practical level we see that the job description that he gives uh is very appropriate uh the people that he is appointing uh they are supposed to be helpers uh to settle dispute among brethren so we see that uh even in a church uh, setting uh we have we might have one pastor but at the same time we have many people uh who are who rise up to the occasion uh, as helpers uh, to help in different ways so it may not be to settle disputes among brethren but they might be helping in different practical ways so we know that one person uh, cannot accomplish everything so in this context uh, they are being uh, told uh, with for that specific assignment which is to settle disputes or conflicts among people and they are supposed to hear everyone whether they are small or great which means uh there should be no bias in their judgment and nobody should be denied uh justice uh whether they are small or great and he also makes it clear that uh the job that you have uh is given to you from god and not from men which means uh you should not be afraid of man but you should do what is right uh in the eyes of god so that is something uh, practical for us uh, in a church a setting uh, whatever we are doing we are doing it uh, for the glory of god so we should be afraid of god we should show reverence to god but we should not be afraid of people or we should not try to please uh, people we should do what is right in the eyes of god so the, so moses uh, is sending them 
uh, with these uh, instructions so that they would be helping him uh, in this journey. And Moses also says, uh, if the case is really tough, uh, they can send it to him. So we see uh, in a practical sense, uh, in a church setting, when the ministry grows, uh, we also must do the same. Uh, we must uh, prayerfully delegate, and we must also give clear instructions uh, so that the work is carried out for the glory of God. Okay, so the critical point uh, in the journey comes in verse 19. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, just as the Lord our God has commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. Okay, so just to reinforce, uh, this is still the first uh, generation. So Moses uh, is talking what happened historically. So we said that they were in the mountain for some time, and the Lord told them to move on. And they have moved on, and now they have come to Kadesh Barnea, uh, which mm -hmm. is where the chapter started in verse 2. And this is the critical point in their journey uh, in the promised land where things go south, right? So we'll read verse 19 through 21. Yeah. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is about to give us. See the land, see the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession. As the Lord, the God of your fathers, has spoken to you, do not fear or be dismayed. Yes, again, we see that God is giving them very clear instructions uh, when they leave Kadesh Baniya, which is the border of the promised land. And God is telling them to simply go and possess it. And He's telling them, do not be afraid. Uh, do not be discouraged. So God is uh, telling them to go, but we see that the Israelites, uh, they would be, uh, they are hesitating, we would read in the subsequent verses, uh, to take the next step. So is that surprising that the people of Israel are hesitant? Even though God has brought them from Egypt through the, through the Red Sea, and he had given them the laws in Mount Sinai, and now they are right at the edge of the promised land. And God is telling them to go. God is telling them to be not afraid. But they are hesitating. So is that surprising? And how did they resolve it? And was it the right decision? Firstly, is it surprising when God tells us to go? Do we hesitate or we simply yeah. jump? Yeah, I think they were shocked. I think they were hesitant to... Go there because it was occupied by other kings. But why were they hesitant? Because God had already given them victory over Pharaoh, right? Uh, in the Red Sea. They had the Egyptian army behind their back and they had the Red Sea in front of them. And God had already given them great victory, right? So why is it they are afraid now? I think they had to go to, uh, go to the Amorites. Is the new because of the people, because of the people taller and bigger. They're not having a full faith in God. Full faith, right? So that happens in our life also, right? God gives us many victories, but every time we are faced with a challenge, uh, we still kind of hesitate, we still get anxious, we still get worried. And so we are no different from the Israelites, right? Uh, we often say Israelites had no faith. Uh, even though they saw so many miracles, uh, they were still afraid. And I feel the same thing is true even in our own lives. Uh, we have lived 
uh, our Christian life, we have seen many victories, but still when we face challenges, uh, we tend to hesitate. So how did they resolve the situation? What did they do next at the border? I think based on the Joshua's uh, confidence and his uh, motivated words. Yeah. They sent spies, brother. They uh, sent spies, right? So, yeah. So. They wanted to see how it is. Can we really uh, occupy that or not? They want to know before uh, going there. So what did Moses do? Did Moses say that's okay or did he say that's not a good thing to do? Was Moses in agreement that they should send the spies or he was not? Yeah, I think he is okay, I think. He was okay? Yeah. It pleased him, I believe. Do you think that was a good decision on part of Moses as a leader? Moses was responsible, right, for the entire congregation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they were saying that uh, we are afraid, so we'll send 12 people. And Moses said, okay, that seems like a okay idea. Let's do it. Do you think that was a good decision on Moses' part? Or was it a bad judgment? What would he do, brother? Uh, he has to he, he has to accept them, right? Because they, they are always murmuring, right? Always murmuring. So he, he used to, I think. Uh, so he, he don't have uh, like anything against God and faith. But uh, because of the people, I think he did a couple of things. Yeah. Because of people like frustrating him, right? So that's what happens. If people are frustrating you, we'll do mistakes. Yeah. So... Uh, technically, I would think that that was a bad uh, leadership decision because God had told Moses clearly that this land belongs to you. So there is no reason to check it again to make sure, right? We don't have to check or verify what God is telling us. We don't need to verify God's promises. We can simply act on those promises, right? So here, Moses uh, is making a decision uh, which is not correct. And of course, as brother said, maybe he was simply tired of all the murmurings and, and he cannot force millions of people to cross the land, right? He doesn't have that physical strength. But, uh, but from a purely theoretical point, I would say it was a bad mistake. So this is what they proposed as we read in subsequent verses uh, that they would investigate the land uh, before entering. And Moses uh, also agrees uh, and, and that decision that they made uh, to investigate, uh, which led to fear and lack of faith, uh, is what eventually destroyed the entire generation, right? So even though uh, it seemed like a small mistake, uh, it seemed like a rational thing to do, but that is what led to the uh, destruction of the entire generation. So we'll read uh, sub subsequent verses. We read till 21, so 22, 23. Then all of you approached me and said, let us send men before us that they may search out the land for us and bring back to us word of, word of the way by which we should go and the cities which we shall enter. And the, and the thing pleased me, and I took 12 of your men, one man of each tribe, Okay, so here it says that the thing pleased me well. So that seems to suggest that Moses was also okay with the idea. Uh, we don't know what pressures he had, or maybe Moses also did not have complete uh, confidence. But no matter what, uh, since God had given the promise, to okay. wanting to verify that promise uh, is a bad uh, decision. But that is what they did. And as it goes on to say, the saying pleased me well. And they kept going. And we know from the book of Numbers that uh, when the 12 people went, 
10 people came back uh, with a negative report and two people came back uh, with a positive report. But as we read in verse uh, 25, and they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought us what again saying, it is a good land which the Lord has given us. Mm. So they all agreed that this was a good land, but 10 people thought they won't be able to make it or they won't be able to conquer it. And of course, Joshua and Caleb were different. Yeah. Maybe someone can read this. It's taken from Numbers. Yeah. Numbers. Uh, this is from Numbers 13, 27 to 33. Few verses. Yeah. Or I can read. Yeah. And they told him and said, they came unto the land where thou sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Enoch, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in, the, in their sight. So here we see that people are going, uh, approaching the land uh, with their physical eyes. Uh, they're not approaching the land with the promise that the Lord had given them that they should go and possess it and they should not be afraid. But we see that the people are focusing on what they can see with their eyes, uh, which is obviously uh, people who are much bigger than them and the cities that are uh, fortified or which have walls that will prevent them from conquering easily. And oftentimes that is true in our life. Uh, even though we might have the promise of the Lord, uh, we may still hesitate because we see with our physical eyes, uh, we reason with our intellect, which is not able to operate uh, by faith, but it operates by what it can see. So the majority of people came back with a negative report, but we see that uh, Joshua and Caleb, uh, who also went, uh, they said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. So Joshua and Caleb, uh, they had confidence uh, in the promise of God. Uh, they had confidence in the power of God, that even though those people are big, even though the cities are walled, uh, they would be able to overcome it. So based on these reports, how did this impact the Israelites? How did they respond? What is the next step that they took? I think they're terrified, maybe. Terrified. <laughs> So we tend to go with majority, right? So that's why democracy is very bad. We, uh, if the majority is foolish, then we tend to go with the foolish opinion. But we always have to go with the opinion of the Lord. We always have to go with the opinion of the wise. And that is one more lesson that we learn, that majority may not always be correct. So we can continue reading from verse uh, 26. Yeah. Yet you are not willing to go up but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you grumbled in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren, our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying the people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of uh, Anakim, 
there then he said to you do not be shocked nor fear them okay so here we see that people are reacting to the report that they received uh, from the 10 people so they are ignoring what joshua and caleb said uh, they are focusing on the negatives and we see that they rebel against the commandment of the lord which was to go and possess the land and they start murmuring and they start complaining about the lord that he brought them from the land of egypt uh, so that he would actually uh, destroy them so uh, even though it is the lord who redeemed them uh, from bondage so we see that the people are turning against the lord they are complaining uh, against the lord uh, because of what they heard from those 10 people and we see that they are also discouraged uh, in their heart uh, because of the report uh, that they received so i guess the lesson we learned here is that we should not be discouraged uh, just because the majority says uh, it cannot be done uh, we should not be discouraged so we see that they are focusing on the negative report uh, which leads to fear uh, it leads to uh, discouragement uh, it leads to disbelief uh, it leads to anger towards god's plan and purpose and eventually it leads to rebellion uh, because uh, they choose not to proceed uh, with god's plan which was to go and possess the land so oftentimes we also can make uh, major mistakes uh, in our life uh, if we depend on the wrong counsel or if we simply go with the majority rule and thinking that the majority is always right and in verses 29 to 33 we see that moses uh, is reinforcing the promise uh, then i said unto you dread not neither be afraid of them so moses as a leader uh, he's trying to cheer them up uh, he's trying to put a positive spin on the entire situation so he's telling them not to be afraid because that is what the lord has told him and the people and he tells them the lord your god which goes before you uh, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in egypt uh, before your own eyes so moses is trying to remind them of the great miracles that the lord did for them when he brought them out of egypt uh, it is the same god uh, who is going before them now and just like he gave them victory in egypt and in the red sea uh, he is going to give them victory and in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the lord thy god bare thee as a man that bare his son in all the way that he went until he came into this place so the lord has been leading them and guiding them up unto this point uh, yet in this thing he did not believe the lord your god who went in the way before you to search you out a place uh, to pitch your tents in by fire by night to show you by what way you should go and in a cloud day by day so moses is uh, trying to remind them of the experiences that they've already had and how the lord has led them in a wonderful way Uh, even in terms of where they should pitch their tent uh, in the night so they were being led uh, so by minute by minute the lord was leading them and the lord had already given them victory so moses is trying to reinforce the promise of god but they are not uh, convinced and if you go back to the book of numbers uh, we see that uh, joshua and caleb uh, they also tried to convince uh, the land convince the people uh, but uh, but they are not uh, convinced so joshua the son of nun and caleb the son of jephana 
share mm. of them that searched the land, uh, rent their clothes. So when they saw the negative uh, response from the people, uh, obviously Joshua and Caleb, they were close to the Lord. So they are very grieved and they started speaking out. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. So everyone agrees that the land is good, the 10 and also the two. But obviously the 10 are afraid and two are ready to claim the promise. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither be afraid of the people of the land, for they are bread for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, uh, fear them not, but all the congregation bade stone them with stone. So here we see that Joshua and Caleb, even though they are young uh, in age, uh, they are standing with Moses and they are repeating uh, the same kind of uh, message that Moses is giving the people. And they are trying to encourage them that we simply uh, need to claim the promise and the Lord will give us the land. So we should not be afraid. But we see that the people are rebellious and they actually want to stone them rather than to receive that message. So good message is not always received with thanksgiving. So when we try to say the right thing to people, they may or may not receive it in the right spirit. And that is what we see here. Uh, Joshua, Caleb, and Moses, uh, they are trying to give wisdom, but it is not being received right. So how did God respond to their rebellion? So that's the tragedy of the disobedience that took place uh, at the border of, of the land where people chose uh, not to believe in the promise, where they chose to believe in the evil report of 10 mm. people rather than the report of Joshua and Caleb. And uh, I'll read from verse 34. It says, And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, uh, Surely there shall not. One of these men of this evil generation uh, see that good land, which I swear uh, unto your fathers. So that is was the turning point uh, for the first uh, generation. Mm. God is uh, declaring his verdict. Uh, since they chose to rebel, since they chose to disobey uh, the promise that was given to them, the Lord is telling them that none of them will enter the promised land. So that is the tragedy of disobedience. Uh, when, you choose, when we choose not to obey God's promises or when we uh, intentionally disobey what the Lord is telling us to do, uh, it always has consequences. And here we see a dramatic uh, consequence. And there were exceptions. Uh, for example, Moses and Joshua and Caleb were exceptions. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he has trodden upon and to his children because he has wholly followed the Lord. So Caleb has that great quality where he is obeying the Lord uh, fully. He is believing in the promises. And because of that, the Lord is declaring that he will see the land and his children. And in verse 37, uh, Moses is talking about himself. And it says, also the Lord was angry with me. Uh, for your sake, saying, uh, you also shall not go in thither. 
in yeah. later chapter. But yes, so Moses is also not allowed to go. But Joshua, the son of Nun, it standeth before thee, he shall go and thither. Uh, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. So here we see the shift uh, in leadership. Uh, God is declaring uh, who is going to be the next leader and who is going to lead the nation of Israel uh, into the promised land to inherit the promises. And also your little ones, uh, since the little ones are innocent of the crime or the disobedience of the adults, uh, they will not be, uh, they will be able to enter the land and to possess it. And so that's where the first chapter ends or the first part of the journey ends. It says, but as for you, uh, turn you and turn your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So after wandering for about two years, after crossing the Red Sea and going to the mountain and staying there for some time and going all the way to the border of the promised land, uh, because of their disobedience, uh, because of their lack of faith, uh, God gives them a very hard uh, judgment. He says, uh, turn around and go back to the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Yeah.